couple of episodes we have been looking at all the packages installed with a Linux distro. We are going to continue that but not in this episode. I want to take a little bit of a break from that so that I can cover something else which selfishly is something that I came up with so it's quite a few years ago actually. It's called PodWrite. First thing I wanted to mention is that that in spite of what I've been saying, which is, hey, I'm, I'm scaling back, I'm going only Aug, Vorbis, and Opus now, in spite of all that discussion, I am now releasing Aug, Vorbis, Opus, and Speaks. I realized that the whole reason I introduced the question was to get rid of the Speaks feed, and there have been some developments and some pressure from some outside sources to keep the Speaks feed, but I have come up with a way that it's actually easier now for me to publish to those formats than it was in the past for me to publish to fewer formats. And that's because I finally got around to fixing up this little program that I'd been, I've been running for, for ages. In fact, if you've ever been to my website, gnuworldorder.info, you may have noticed that over on the left-hand sidebar, there is a note that it says GNU World Order is, well, it's Creative Commons, and it was generated by Podwrite, P-O-D-W-R-I-T-E. Now, this is a little shell script. Maybe the word little is not the correct adjective, but it's a shell script that I created, um, I want to say, uh, maybe five or four years ago now. Um, yeah, I think maybe five or four years ago now. So it 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 was it has been the tool i think ever since i've moved to new zealand certainly which which was 4 years ago as of the recording of this episode uh and it it was it was the tool it is the tool that i've been using to post episodes and and not just to post episodes but to generate the xml files that you down that you use as you know the feeds that you subscribe to and the HTML that is the page gnuworldorder.info. So it's a, it's kind of I guess, and I hate to use this term because it's just kind of it's it sounds so fancy, but I mean it is kind of a CMS, I guess. I mean really low scale, but I mean that's if you think about what it's generating, that's kind of what it is. Like so you could you could do the easy thing, and you could go get WordPress and install it on your host, and then you could grab the PodPress add-on and install that into WordPress, integrate that into WordPress, and you'd have a, a really nice-looking solution that would do everything that I'm talking about, and it would be really easy to set up, and I highly recommend it. Having said that, I came up with my own solution, and it's complex, and I'm going to talk about it. It's not actually that complex, but there are a lot of moving parts to it, and it's kind of a lot to understand if you have no idea about how podcasting works, which, um, you know, I mean, I think a lot of Linux users kind of do grasp how podcasts work because they tend to grasp how computers work, and it's, it's all pretty related. So I don't think it's beyond 
my dear listeners. That's you. But um, it is it is not something that I would advertise as you know something that just anyone should look into. But it has come a long way, and that's kind of why I want to talk about it because it's it started like I say about four years ago when I threw it together as just kind of like try to try to shorten my workflow, you know, just like I, I was finding that especially as I was working in this 50 hour minimum, 50 hours a week minimum job, I was I was finding at a movie studio, I was finding it really difficult to find time to to get through all the steps of posting a show. And worse yet, it was it was it turned out that you know, I could do it by hand, and maybe I could do it quickly by hand, but there were a lot of errors being made, you know, just stupid human errors that would that would occur and screw something up. And then, of course, you'd have to go back and fix it, so then that just adds more to your time. So I figured, okay, I've got a script to this, so I scripted it, and this is what I came up with. And for about three years, it has been something very, very specific I will even say woefully specific to GNU World Order because it was exactly what I was using for my show, and that was all it was good for. If you wanted to use it for anything else, you would have to go in there into the into the shell script itself and change a bunch of stuff because just dozens of things were hard coded. I mean, there was a config file. I was smart enough to create a config file so you could you could set it up, you know, and then and it would pull values from that configuration file, but but everything else was just hard-coded. So, you know, it was kind of good, kind of not so great. Now, the reason that I ended up changing it and updating it was, well, first of all, because I'd meant to for ages. I, I kept thinking, you know, I mean, that's why I did a config file. I didn't hard-code everything. I knew that it didn't want to be hard-coded. I just didn't have time to make it exactly correct. You know, I had to throw certain things together, and that was just kind of it. But what happened recently was that I decided to start another podcast. It's a secret podcast. Nobody knows about it. And I'm going to tell you about it because we're in this together. But it's not – It's not. the thing is that it's not a Linux podcast. It's an open culture, free culture podcast, but it's not specifically about Linux. It's about um, – it's about world building, I guess, is what people – call it but it's it's about when you're playing a role playing game you can set your role playing game in whatever world you want and so i thought it might be kind of cool to highlight worlds or, or you know that that have been built for games that you were free to use as i mean at your gaming table you can use any any world you want no one's going to barge into your house and arrest you because you're setting your world in uh, you know, some well-known mythology. But if you were to then publish a, a story or a, well, yeah, sure, a story based on someone's world, then you could get into a lot of trouble because that's a copywritten thing. Or if you were to publish um, game resources that use, for instance, the names of gods that someone else invented, then you 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 would get you know that you can't do that it's copywritten so you ha you have to come up with your own names of gods and your own backstories for these gods and all these other silly things that yes on one hand it's part of the fun of playing a role playing game but on the other hand if you're sitting down and your goal is actually to tell the story of how 
this this one dude gets to this this mystical city by going through this great enchanted landscape then maybe what you're actually trying to write is just the the plot points that the players are going to need to hit going from a to b you don't really want to have to develop an entire world for that to be set in so what you could do then is use open content to populate that world that's the goal of the show to give to highlight and to provide a bunch of open creative common and open game licensed content for people who don't want to world build they just want to build situations in an established uh universe okay so why am i telling you this you don't care you're a linux user you don't play games um it's because the this second secret podcast that i did uses the exact same tool pod pod right and in order to get it to use the same tool i had to go back through and refactor a bunch of stuff and in so doing i finally achieved the the goal of having a generic podcasting publication tool and it's still called podwrite it has a secondary command called make encode which uh does what you might think it does it takes a flack i think we could actually take a wave as well but it it wants to take a flack file and convert it to aug opus it can do m4a and it can do speaks and then it will compile all that information into a bunch of different xml files for your rss and atom feeds it'll dump a bunch of stuff into an html file so that you can then integrate it into your website and that's it that's what it does you can see the similarities between these two podcasts by going to gnuworldorder.info and then open a second tab and go to mixedsignals.ml that's ml as in mike lima slash cnc that is chronicles and uh, and commons so c and then the letter n as in november c so charlie november charlie so once again all at once mixed signals dot mike lima slash charlie november charlie and you'll see really really quickly that yes these two were derived from the same con uh from the same template and that's okay i'm fine with this and and i i could change it a lot more actually but i'm i'll go into that once i once I start explaining Podwrite itself, because the Podwrite tool uses a template for your HTML stuff, so you could you could make your HTML look any way you wanted, and it'll just drop in certain snippets of information for you based on your template. Okay, so Podwrite, what does it do? Well, again, it it posts it it takes a a a master file, preferably in the FLAC format then the file name needs to be a certain certain syntax and it converts it into whatever codec set you want it to convert to it takes information about this about these files and dumps them into xml files for you to use as your feeds and into html files for your website after all of that is built it stops it lets you check your work to make sure that you haven't screwed anything up or that podwrite itself hasn't screwed something up and then you can issue podwrite again with the dash dash no build flag and the dash dash publish flag and that will take all of the files that it has just generated 
and push them up to your web server. The pushing part is probably the weakest point of PodWrite currently because there are so many ways technically to get your stuff onto a web host. And right now it's just, it is hard coded to do a SCP. Now it can do, like, it could do LFPT, LFTP, and in fact there is, there, there's the remnants of the LFTP code in the in the script still I, I just commented it out because it's still quite useful and the way that it pushes to LFTP and it could do SFTP obviously very very easily but the way that it can do LFTP is that it you pass it a GPG encrypted file containing your username and your password and on the fly it decrypts this file uses it as the password and username or yeah user and pass and then copies your file up via ftp so you could do that you could use scp which is what it uses by default and and in theory you could also use something like git to do like a git push and then have a git hook on your web server that then publishes your files to your live in production server or um web root so there are so many great options there, and PodWrite essentially just just says, "Hey, you're going to use SCP," which may not even be possible. You know, I mean, it just depends on your your hosting. I mean, hopefully you're not using a web host that uses FTP. But anyway, that's that's what it does, um, and and it does it fairly well. So make encode, I've already told you about. It's the command that encodes things, but it does more than just encode media. It also tags them. And I have learned the hard way that different media files take different kinds of tags. And I think we, we generally just call them, oh, ID3 tags. And that's kind of, we just think of them as ID3 tags because most of us got introduced to the idea of files being tagged as ID3. And that was just kind of what they became for us. And um that's not necessarily always the case it kind of it it can largely depend on what format the file is so if you've got something like a an aug file then then its tag set needs to be different from for instance the sort of classic mp3 tags and that's really really important because if you tag it wrong media players very frequently will not play them. And I found that out the hard way last week. If you were one of the special few listeners who downloaded the copies of my files before I had corrected some errors in the latest edition of Make Inc., uh, then you probably got a file that, that did not tag correctly. And I know that's a great sales pitch for Make Encode, um, but it's fixed now, so don't worry. It's it is a good sale. It's it's fixed. It, it's actually working. If you're hearing this episode, it works. So, um, PodWrite uses there's a common set of functions. It, it's something that you can just download the folder and start using it, but it really kind of wants to be installed. And if you install it or if you use it locally, there's a set of functions that it that it that they both rely upon and that's why they're both bundled together technically speaking make encode and pod write are like completely different 
completely separate programs, but since they both use this figparse.sh that I came up with, I just figured it made more sense to bundle them together. So that's that's why they're bundled together. Technically, though, you could use make and code just for yourself. Like if you have the occasion to encode some files and you want to both encode and tag them all at the same time, or maybe you want to encode them into two separate formats with tags that, that are appropriate for each format, make and code might be something you want to look at. And and it's a simple, it's a pretty simple command make enc. So you can do mkenc uh, foo.flack, for instance, and that will transcode to to whatever set of codecs you have defined in your configuration file. What if you don't have a configuration file? No problem, make encode doesn't care. You can um, still, you, it will still, it will tag, it will give very generic tags to foo.flack. If you, if you have nothing in a configuration file and if you define nothing on the command line, it tags it with something like uh, the track title becomes the name of the file. So foo.flack would show up in your media player if, if your media player just looks at tags, it will show up as foo.flack. From the album, I think, audio, or something like that, with the category of podcast. Lots of just generic kinds of terms. And that's if you've got nothing. Those are just the defaults hard-coded into the script. Not a big deal. You can override those either by making a configuration file, which we'll get into later, or by passing commands or uh, options on the command line. So maybe you could do, maybe you want to do, for instance, mkenc, make inc, dash dash author, clatsu, dash dash show dash title, GNU world order, dash dash episode 100, dash dash comment, http colon slash slash GNU world order dot info, dash dash track title, GNU world order underscore 100 dot og, dash dash category podcast foo dot flack. And that would ins that would encode the foo.flack into a couple of different well whatever I had defined I guess to that command I would probably want to add like a dash dash og dash only or something like that because my track title I said was GNU World Order underscore 100 dot og so that's that's what I would want to do but that was just an example the point is that you have a bunch of tags and if you do a make ink uh, dash dash help it will dump all that information for you and you can look at all the different tags that you have available or the options that you have available. Right now, make ink supports only aug, opus, AAC uh, in a M4A container and speaks, and that's everything that it that it handles. And that's because it's hard coded, and they have to be hard coded because the 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 tags have to be mapped to to different things depending on the on the codec. So I can add more more codecs if people want. In fact, the Speaks one is only in there because Lost in Bronx, my friend Lost in Bronx, who you probably know from Hacker Public Radio, he he sort of asked me to um, include Speaks because he thought, oh, Speaks is such a great format. He's completely wrong. Speaks is not a great format. It's, it's really, I mean, I'm sure it's great for certain things, but for podcasting, I really don't like it. It's not something that I enjoy hearing it's not something that i enjoy encoding to it's just not something that i enjoy uh, opus just is so much better than speaks um but he he liked it 
and it was really truly trivial to add it in because all I had to do was write the speaks ink uh, code and map the tags to the correct command uh, options for speaks ink and it's just that easy it was super simple so if if you're actually going to use make ink and you need support for something else let me know or or submit a, a patch and and it's fine I can probably add it not a problem I I was very very close to adding uh, lame support but I just felt like I never use lame you know and, and I don't want to add stuff that I'm I'm not actively testing myself I just felt like it would be maybe dangerous to to add something in there for no good reason so I've resisted the urge to just throw stuff in there randomly and I'm, I'm doing what I'm what I'm actually using pretty much um, yeah okay so I've, I've mentioned a config file a couple of times and I might as well mention or, or elaborate that now because it's something again that both make ink and podwrite can utilize so the config file can really live anywhere you can you can tell make ink or podwrite where your configuration file is with the dash capital C option or the dash dash config option so you don't have to have it any standard location but it's it's default standard location is in your home directory in the dot config file or in the dot config directory called uh, in a file called podwrite RC simple the configuration file has two two types of sections there's the global section and then there's the everything else section so the global section is delimited by a square bracket global square bra bracket and it it contains it can contain three values that I can think of author and email and then you can also have an include value and the include value would point pod right and make ink to the location of your figparse.sh file and figparse.sh it just it contains a bunch of functions that both make ink and podwrite need and instead of having those functions in each file and therefore if they change having to update them twice I just figured okay I'll put it into a figparse.sh and when people install it that that file will go into their file system in some standardized location and then both of these can pull functions from it as needed so that's why that's sort of a separate thing my inclination and I, I have to fight myself on it daily is to just put the fig parse contents into each script and that way they never have to you know there's no external dependencies but I mean there would be there'd be aug ink and opus ink and speaks ink and all these other command line tools but I'm, I'm saying like in terms of like the files themselves you know they could just kind of go anywhere but it just doesn't make sense from a maintaining standpoint okay so the global section provides the author and the email and and potentially where to find figparse.sh the other sections are show specific and the show the show information it's a little bit strict and and to be fair it could probably be a little bit more flexible for podwrite but honestly it's just not worth it the flexibility in my humble opinion is not worth the added complexity 
that it would then require. So that means that the name of your of your section in square brackets must be the same as the name of the file that you are pushing to your web server. Not not the whole file, but the base the, the base name essentially of your actually the base base name of your of your file. So if you if you've ever noticed my podcasts, the shows, the episodes that you actually download, and you may not even see this if you're using like a, a really good podcatcher that just kind of handles all this stuff for you, you may not really know what the file names are, but they are GNU World Order and then underscore season number, the letter X, episode number, and then a dot, and then the codec. And that's how they're all encoded. That's how they're all delivered. They all share that exact specific syntax. And that's a, really a product of PodWrite. Um, I mean, I think I eventually standardized it early, early on. I didn't know to do that, and I just named them whatever I felt I should name them. But now I, I standardized it. And, and so the way that PodWrite identifies a file that is supposed to be published partly is based on this, on this title, on this on this name. So if it's GNU World Order with a capital W and a capital O, which is what it is, which is kind of dumb of me, I wish I hadn't done that, but it's too late to change it now, uh, then that's exactly the name of, that, that, that's the name of the configuration section, and it is also the base, base name for the episodes themselves. That's hard-coded, you can't get around it, there's no switch to override that, because I felt like that's stupid. Because that's just one more switch to include, you know, and one more thing that you would have in your in your configuration file. And I just felt like that's just getting ridiculous. And if people really have that much of a problem of how their episodes are named, then they can just patch it themselves. I'm doing everyone a favor. Um, okay, so in the configuration file, you can define pretty much anything that you define as a, a command line option. So, for instance, you can define the show title, which will eventually end up in the comments section of your episodes. You can define what category your episode should be broadcast as, which, generically, I just set everything to podcast. You can set a comment. You can set what formats you want it to encode to. That's kind of important, because do you want AUG? you want Opus? you want M4A? you want Speaks? you want just AUG and Opus? you want just AUG and Speaks? It's up to you. you. Do whatever you want to do. So you can set all of that stuff in the configuration, and, and that's all it is. It's, it's key, space, equal sign, space, and then the value. That's It's a simple said thing that, that picks up. It, it detects what section we're in in your configuration, and then fr after it, it detects that, it, it searches for the first occurrence of some value and takes takes the value from that, or yeah, it takes takes first occurrence of some key, and then takes the value from that, and that's how it works. And, and it works quite well. So um, you, you could even put like the episode number in your configuration file, but you probably wouldn't want to do that, but you could, you could. Now the, the AUG, Opus, M4A, and Speaks thing is also fairly strict, so the formats. So it has to be OGG, that, that you have to call it AUG, and I know Sticklers will say, oh, actually, it's called Vorbis. Yeah, but the extension is .og. I think they did, They did, I, I remember them trying to change that at one point. It was like .oga was for .og audio, 
and OGV was for Aug Video or something, and it, I swear I read that that was the official thing, and, and, and I used it for a long time, and, and then I just noticed that no one else was doing that. Anyway, um, so .ogg is the extension, .opus is the extension, .m4a is the extension, it's not actually a codec, m4a is not a codec, it's a container format, it's an MPEG-4 audio, um, but I, and, and I've done .aac before, and I realized that the target audience for that sort of thing are people who don't even understand that extensions aren't actually, like, the, the, the thing that define what a file is, you know, they, they just, it's silly to, to do that. So I'm giving listeners what they expect. M4A is the extension. So that's, that's Podwright's way of designating an AAC codec. And then SPX is for speaks. And again, I don't, I don't know that that's necessarily a standard extension for speaks. It's just the one that makes sense. And so you have to refer to it as SPX. Everywhere you have to refer it to as SPX within Podwright, because if you refer to it as anything else, then it will fail. And again, that's not super flexible, because it, it ultimately means that your RSS feed and your Atom feed are going to be called aug.xml, opus.xml, m4a.xml, spx.xml, and aug.atom.xml, opus.atom.xml, and so on. So you can't, you know, you can't call one just like rss.xml. Can't do it. Now, what you can do is on your web server, you can symlink rs, uh, you know, like rss.xml or, you know, whatever you want to call it, feed.rss. You know, like you can just symlink that to your actual, you know, og.xml or opus.xml, whatever. But in terms of Podwright, it will not let you. It has no flexibility there because it just uses the codec name for both the the gener, you know, for for the designation of what of what feed it is generating, for what designation, you know, which which audio file belongs in which feed. It that's how it it knows what is what. And so if if those terms are are changed, if you start using OGA instead of OG or SPEEX instead of SPX or .aac instead of .m4a, it breaks the whole system. Again, not super flexible, but for simplicity, I favor, I favored that brand of, of strictness just because it makes sense, and it, I think within the use case, it, it is very much justified. So that's the config file. Like I say, the config file can be used by makeink, and it can be used by podwrite. And when using it for podwrite, it has to be a little bit more complex because you have to put a bunch of web server information for both uploading and downloading, and, and those may be different paths, and, and yeah, there's a lot more information in there. But we'll get to that when we talk to podwrite, which we should really do right now. But you know what we're going to do first? Well, darn it, Pokey on a recent dev you random episode noted that I no longer do coffee breaks because of my new format. And I'm here to say that that is incorrect. I do coffee breaks. I still have coffee. I'm drinking coffee right now. Well, I just, now it's empty. But yeah, we need to take a coffee break to prove to prove to people that GNU World Order is still as much about coffee as it is about GNU Linux. So let's do that. Let's take a coffee break. <laughs>
got a fresh cup of coffee here, so um, I'll try not to sip too loudly into your ears, but hopefully you've got your own fresh cup of coffee as well. We can just drink at the same time and we won't notice. Um, so yeah, so Podrite, that's the, the next the next thing to talk about. And, and realistically, that would be the next step. Like if you were actually going to do your own podcast, uh, which I encourage everyone to do, it's a lot of fun, uh, you can you would probably first encode your media. So you'd use make encode first, and then it would it would generate all your media files and dump them back into whatever folder you that you pointed it at. And the idea here is that you're mirroring a little bit your web server. And you don't have to have a complete mirror, but you do have to have your 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 source folder where you put all of your, your encodes should be called the same folder as the one that it is going to go into on your server. It doesn't have to have the full path behind it, obviously. You know, it doesn't have to be in slash var slash www slash mypodcast.com slash audio. But it does have to have the same, just the base, the dir name needs to be the same. So for my GNU World Order audio um, uh, podcast, it's called Audiophile, A-U-D-I-O-P-H-I-L-E, which I think I must have done sort of to be sarcastic because the sound quality on my GNU World Order show is usually not all that great. Um, and on my Chronicles and Commons one, it's just audio because I thought it's kind of silly to keep that audio file name, so I, it's just audio. How did I change them? It's in the config file. So as long as that's the same, then where you when you push your episodes to your web server, it, everything in the audio file folder or you know whatever you've called your media folder will go into your web server's folder by the same name. How does it know how to get to that folder, though? Well, that's in the config file, too. So in the config file, you will need to have values about both downloading and uploading assets. This means that you're going to have to have, you're, you have to kind of look at it through two different lenses. There's the download, which is just a standard wget HTTP call. So when you download your files to update your information, you just do a wget. So that's easy. I mean, the path to to your to your files are the, it's the same path that everyone in the world takes to get to your files. So you might you you would need a server path, for instance. So server equals uh, for GNU World Order, it would be GNU World Order info, and and that's it. That's all it needs actually, because in in my case, the GNU World Order stuff, the the, the index.html just right there at GNU World Order info. The feeds just right there. They're just to get my my feed, you can just type in GNU World Order info slash og.xml or og.atom.xml preferably, and suddenly you'll be looking at that the the feed, the Atom feed. So there's no subdirectory. If you do have a subdirectory, then you need a serve path as well, and the serve path is the 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 h you know the the World Wide Web path. That that's what it should have been. www path. Darn. Well, maybe I'll change that sometime. Um, yeah, you need a path. Like so, for instance, let's just imagine for a moment that that my my show. Well, no, actually, we don't have to imagine. Let's just do this. Mixed signals.ml. That's the 
that's the server holding my Chronicles and Commons podcast. So if you go to mixedsignals.ml, you get some weird splash page that doesn't really tell you anything. But if you go to mixedsignals.ml slash CNC, that's where the podcast actually lives. So in order to tell wget where to go for all these different files, I need to do a value of serve path equals CNC. Now the server, the, the full path for wget will be mixedsignals.ml slash cnc slash and then something. And the something that it ends up being is defined by the values of files. And files equals og.xml, opus.xml, og.atomxml, opusxml, m4axml, m4atomxml, and index.html. And, and yes, for, for chronicles and commons, I do have an m4a feed. Uh, because I figure probably a lot of listeners of uh, RPG content, they may not really have Opus or Vorbis compatible devices, and FDK AAC is open source software, so I can encode to AAC for free, and so that's so it publishes to that. Uh, it was kind of up in the air for me in terms of MP3 versus M4A, but from what I've, from my research, I have found that I, I guess if and you can mis, you can correct me if I'm mistaken, but I think M4A is kind of the the other. I think it's an official supported spec in a lot of the web browsers for for the thing to play in a browser. And I I don't think MP3 is, which is kind of amazing to me because I mean MP3 I never have really liked that codec. I would prefer to avoid it for a lot of different reasons but one of the reasons is that they were so aggressive but also the quality isn't that great so I'd, I'd love to just avoid mp3 entirely but conveniently i mean it, it it's no longer it is patent free now supposedly so supposedly i could use it without sort of betraying any kind of open source purity or anything whereas aac has that weird license of like oh yeah it's totally free to to encode but it's 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 not free to or it's t it's free to decode but technically not free to encode i don't know either way i'm using a free encoder i don't care and and i think it should play in closed source browsers i haven't actually been able to test it so i have no idea and and either way like if people are using some kind of closed source phone thing uh, ecosystem okay an iphone um then then they, I don't think they can play anything but M4A. And again, I can't test this stuff because I don't have access to that gear, and I, I really don't want to be bothered that much about it. But that's the rationale. And with Make Ink, it's super easy to encode to any format I conceivably want. Wget will know where to get your files by the server and serve path paths and the files definition. It will pull whatever it needs to pull according to those things. And you know, if I had to swear, I'm not even sure that it needs that files path anymore. I'm gonna have to look into that because um, I, I don't, I cannot picture the code in my head that actually looks at that value. I could be wrong, but I, I think I just default to whatever codec you define in the format value is is what it then downloads and builds. So. For instance, og, it, then it's going to pull og xml and og atom xml and build those. If you also define opus, then it'll do those. And then the web page is always index.html. So I don't know. I might have to look at that to make sure that, because that, yeah, there's some flexibility there, but 
but I guess I could make it. I could probably do something with that different. Anyway, point is, the the other side of all of this is that when you you need to upload these files again, and obviously that that's from a different end of the server. That's from the that's from that's going in the other way. So there's the the server path is still valid, mixedsignals.ml or gnuworldorder.info, whatever it happens to be. But then you need to know where on you know within your user folder or where on the server those copy those files need to get copied to. And so the value for that one is target. Target equals and then whatever path you want your media files to get dropped into. Now that's not the full path because and maybe that maybe I could change that at some point. It's the path up to your media directory. So for instance, if your media directory for this show is called audio, then and and your your audio directory lives in a place called uh, tilde slash public underscore HTML slash audio, then the target would be tilde slash public underscore HTML. Nothing else. Just just the you know the 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 dir name real or the yeah I guess the dir name of your of your target. The the media file itself is defined by a separate configuration value called or key called media, and that in this example would be media equals audio. Now if it was you know some other full servers might like depending on your your the way that you have your server set up or or your host. Maybe it's not public underscore HTML. Maybe it's slash var slash www slash mypodcast.com. In that case, your your server would be mypodcast.com. Your target would be slash var slash www slash mypodcast.com. And then your media file, again, would just be audio. So then it, the audio directory would be found. We would expect to find the audio directory in var www mypodcast.com. So that that makes sense. It's a little bit clunky. I could probably streamline that a little bit better, but um, yeah, I just didn't really. I think that the the media files, the the media folders for me were really handy to keep separate. Um, but I think there's probably a better way to do that. But for now, that's what we're going with. So with that as your configuration file, you can execute a pod write build and the way that you do that is you do pod write and then you give it an episode number it has to have an episode number and and i imagine that that will usually be dynamic it, that's not something that you would probably put into your configuration file so you, the the shortcut for that is dash e you can do dash dash episode but it's dash e so dash e let's say it's um i don't know 12x3 which i think is what this episode is going to be numbered if i'm if I'm remembering correctly. So 12x3, uh, and then the name of the show. And remember, the name of the show, it's, it's, it's the designator. I should say designator of the show, which is whatever's in those square brackets. Not the global section, obviously, but the section for this show. So in, in, in this example, it would be GNU World Order with a capital W and a capital O. In For my other show, uh, from the Chronicles and Commons show, it's just CNC. That's what I named it because I started to catch on that shorter is better, so CNC. Podwrite looks at your configuration file, tracks down important information like your server, your serve path, your target, your media directory, and so on. 
and it pulls down all the different files that you need it to pull down. It looks at your audio files that it finds in your media directory. It gets a SHA sum of them so that people can check to make sure that they've actually downloaded what they think they've downloaded. It looks at any kind of template files that you may have. And the locations of the template files you can define uh, but generally with, with command line options. But generally they are, uh, I think it defaults to the same, the same directory. But you can put them anywhere, it doesn't matter. But there, there, there are three of them. There's, there's the show notes.htm, and that is .htm. My convention in Podwrite has been, and it's been working out pretty well, that all the template files, the ones that need to stick around, are .htm. And then all of the publishable files are .html. And the reason for that is simply because then you can do a trash star or asterisk ml and successfully trash only the things that are on your server anyway. Because a, a asterisk ml will grab all of your feeds, which end in xml, and all of your in-production html stuff, which you've just automatically generated, so it doesn't matter if you accidentally trash them. Plus, if you're using Trashy, you could restore them from your trash can anyway, but I digress. So, shownotes.htm can have valid HTML in it, preferably just paragraphs, although you could do like a div, I guess. I mean, you wouldn't want to go any higher than, than like div. You know, you, you wouldn't want too, too high level. You don't want to start with HTML or start with body. You just want kind of the snippet. And the snippet represents your show notes simple enough. And then in links.htm, or link.htm, whatever it is, it has links. Now that is a, another point of inflexibility. The links are surrounded by um, DT elements. They're kind of weird, off-the-wall HTML elements that nobody really uses, and that's kind of why I chose to use them, because I don't think it's going to clobber. It it is put it this way. It's going to. It's less likely to clobber people's existing code. Um, and it's essentially like a. It's like a list, or yeah, I would say a list. I was going to say or a table, but actually, it's more like a list. And it is simply. Um, it it does not imply list desig. Um, what is it? List decoration. You know, like bullet points. It doesn't imply that at all, so it's 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 sort of a, a a simple list almost. So that's what it uses for the links. And if you want to change that, you can, but you do you would have to go in there and change it manually. And I, and I don't see why you would want to change it that badly. I don't think it would it should matter to anyone unless it does actually clobber someone's code. But I I, I doubt it. And even then, I mean, you could just surround it with a div yourself in a different class and then just do exceptions in your CSS such that those are styled differently. So I really don't think it would be a problem. And then finally there's the template.htm which is the, the the larger sort of context where all of this is going to get dumped into. And we'll talk about that briefly later. But for now, those are the, the, the template files. So Podwrite looks at your, your encoded stuff in your media directory. It gleans information from them, it dumps that information into your feeds, it takes stuff out of your show notes and your links and dumps them both into the feeds and into the HTML 
directory or into your into your home page and the way that it knows where to put all this stuff is this little designator that I used it's a comment that is valid for both XML and HTML conveniently and it's just you know uh, angle bracket exclamation mark dash dash script int that's s c r i p t e n t all capital dash dash angle bracket so it's just a it's a xml comment with a a word that i don't believe should ever occur anywhere else certainly not as a singular comment and so what it, wherever it finds that it replaces you know all of your html or all of your xml it replaces that with with what it has generated and then at the top of what it replaces, it places a new, fresh script int. So as long as that script int, as long as you don't touch it, it'll be there at the top of your, of, of where you want your content to go. And so every time you update your XML or HTML, that script int element will be replaced with all of your, uh, of your content. And the next time you do it, it'll go at the top and, and it just keeps doing that. Again, if you've ever been to my website, or if you are using any of my feeds, you are experiencing the success of this, even as we speak, because I've been using this for the past couple of years. The only, the announcement here is not that I'm using this, it's that this system is now generic enough for anyone to use. So the HTML really quickly, well, so for the feeds, I mean, they're pretty much, they're, they're pretty strict, right? They're, they're XML feeds. There's not a whole lot of flexibility there because it's XML. If you've ever used XML, you know it's not very flexible. Or, or I guess said differently, it's super flexible in an inflexible kind of way. So there's not a whole lot of flexibility there. You'd have to hard code stuff if you wanted to change it, because I'm just, I'm assuming that most people aren't going to care that much about their feeds. Um, the, 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 the sample RSS feed gives you a good header, a good chunk of stuff that 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 is valid it has all the generic rss stuff and all the ugly itunes stuff that you could possibly need it's itunes uh, namespace and and yeah it's just it it dumps it into there and uh, if you use that as your sample you fill out the information that pertains to you and then you just start publishing shows it'll just dump your your feed information into it it'll look respectable on whatever feed reader someone's using and it all just kind of works same goes for the atom feed although that's drastically simpler it's much more it's so much cleaner it's really nice atom feeds are so much better than rss i wish people would stop using rss and i wish the itunes namespace would go away so that's 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 that there's no you don't really there's no allowance for a template you know it's just it's here's your sample feed it's going to generate some information and if for some reason you you are really into xml and you decide that you don't want just a publication date you want an update date and you want a description and a summary field and all these other things that the rss spec may or may not allow for or that the atom feed may or may not allow for then you'd have to go into the actual big script and 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 adjust that and maybe someday if there's a demand for it I can abstract that away from the main script but for now that's not high on the priority at all because I don't believe anyone cares about designing feeds themselves I honestly don't there are too many I listen to a lot of podcasts as I'm sure you do as well dear listener it's just nobody does it themselves it's it's all feed burner and pod press and all these other automated things you know so it's silly for me to try to 
make it flexible, I think. HTML, on the other hand, is very, I mean, that's obviously something that people people see, people want it to look a certain way, it's kind of the identity of their show. So for a long time that was hard-coded into Podwrite, and that was one of the major blockers of this ever being used by anyone else, because it was just, it was going to build an index.html that looked exactly like GNU World Order, and that was all it was going to do. It no longer does that. It allows you to build a, con uh, a template for the content that looks however you want it to look. The way that it does that is that you provide a template.htm file and tell it where that template is, either in the config file or in the command line options, or you put it where it expects you to put it. And in that template file, you have all of your um, repeatable or iterable HTML. So for each episode, there's going to be presumably a chunk of HTML that gets published onto your index page, right? So whatever that chunk is, whether it's a, you know, a bunch of stuff in a div or whether it's just a bunch of stuff like line items, I don't know. Like however you want your site to look, you know, whatever you need your site to, to have for you to style it correctly, you put that into this template. Now where you want the dynamically generated stuff to go, you place little macros. And this uses sort of a convention that I picked up from RPM, RPM build, uh, and it's just percent sign and then some terms. So there's percent media, which is the directory path to the episode. There's uh, percent epnum for the episode number. There's percent title for the track title. There's percent date for a publication date. And that's not super flexible. I, I think I dump out the the publication date um, as like year, month, day, or something like that, and it's it's not very flexible. And I I admit that freely. And there's percent note for your show notes and percent link for your links. And there should probably be some more, and and I'll probably have to address that eventually. But that's what I needed for myself, and so that's what's there. And and with that. Um, as long as you are doing a default pod write, it will pull down index.html and dump your template and the values for all those little macros at the effective top slot of your your web page. Simple as that. And you always know where to go to change your code. It's right there in template. It's super easy super direct and as long as you've styled your page correctly um you can pretty much you can get whatever you need out of this it doesn't have to look at all like GNU world order and commons and chronicles it can be completely different so that's pretty flexible that's that was the big one that was the thing that i think sets sets it apart from being my thing to being something that actually anyone could could feasibly use again i mean if they Anyone, no one should use this. Someone, someone should use WordPress with PodPress. But if they don't want to, then this is a great solution, especially since this generates nothing but flat files, and and that's not, that's no small. Well, it's, it's a small feat, but it's it's nothing to sneeze at. So, you know, it's kind of a big deal. People people overdo websites a lot, I think, and this does not do that. So with this stuff that you've now generated, 
to publish it so i don't publish the podpress does not publish by default it it builds by default in order to publish it you have to pass you have to run pod pod write again with the dash dash no dash build flag and the dash dash publish flag um, or if you like short options dash in and dash p and the reason i do it that way is because it's just smarter to look at what you've produced, you know? It's just, I just don't believe, especially since, I mean, presumably that stuff on the web host, that's it. That's your master copy. That's the production. That's live in production. That's what people see. So before anything gets pushed to that location, I want you to be able to see it. So you do have to run it twice, and that's just how it is, and I keep it that way. And that's it. That's the process. That's how you publish a podcast with PodWrite. It sounds more complex talking about it than it actually is, only because talking about it assumes that it's the first time you're doing it. So the first time you download the thing, you install it, and then you have to generate your configuration file. If you're not really a, a server person, you have to kind of think about the different paths to the server. And then after that, you have to generate, you know, if you have to look at your feeds and make sure that all your information is filled in, and you have to come up with a uh, HTML template or use mine, it doesn't matter. But, you know, all that stuff has to be put into place. Now, once that's done, your your the process is you record a show, you name your show, whatever whatever you have named it in your configuration file, underscore episode number dot codec, you know, like that's your format. So my podcast underscore 101 dot flack you put that into the fo the folder on your you know on your computer and then you run pod pod write against it and that's it you're done that well you write you run pod write twice once to build once to publish and you are done it takes me maybe well it probably takes me a full minute because of the encoding the encoding takes a while um, and the encoding is annoying because it, it has to – I mean, Opus and Aug are beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. They're, they're so easy to encode to. They're fast. They're, they're easy. It's just – they're smart. And then you've got FDK AAC, which is the free open source encoder for AAC, and it is not fast, and it is not smart. And then you've got Speaks Inc., which is neither fast nor smart. And and both of those, M4A and Speaks, they can't encode from FLAC for some reason, because it just never occurred to anyone that FLAC was a format that could be encoded from. So they have to encode from WAV. So you have to. So in the in the script, if you've if you're if you've got AAC and Speaks encoding happening, then you have to sit there and wait for Socks to convert your source FLAC to Wave. And of course, for safety, I, I um, if you've passed mono, it 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 down mixes it to mono. You don't have to do that, but it can. And then for speaks, you, that wave that we uh, generated for M4A, that's not good enough for speaks. Speaks speaks will warn you that it can't, or it it will complain about encoding from from anything higher than I think 22,050 kilohertz. So you have to we have to re-encode it again at a lower sample rate to make speaks happy. It's a it's just so frustrating, um, and I, I just wish I didn't have to deal with those codecs anymore. Really, 
but it's super easy now because make ink just make does it for me and i don't have to worry about it and that's it that is all with all those things you you publish them to your server and then you can you can try to go out and get listeners which is a whole other thing which i know literally nothing about i honestly do not know how to find listeners i don't know how you people found me honestly i really don't know um but here you are and i am so happy to have you uh, but i don't know where you came from uh and but but with those feeds th those should if you go to if you go to uh, the rss feed reader validator you go to rss uh validator.w3.org/feed uh, and and type in, for instance, let's just do this: http colon slash slash gnu world order dot info, and then we'll just do an og .xml and run a check against that. It says congratulations, this is a valid atom 1.0 feed. It gives me one little recommendation about a self-referencing locator or something, which I'm not going to fix right now. But but it's um yeah, they're valid feeds, so you can go to places like uh, blue Blueberry, blueberry.com, I think it is, B-L-U-B-R-R-Y, blueberry.com, and register it as a podcast and point people to that so that they have nice big buttons that say, you know, subscribe with Android, subscribe with other, subscribe with this, you know, and it's sort of this place that people might be able to just discover your show on. And you could submit it even to other podcatchers, like lots of different ones. That they're just completely valid, you know, they're normal feeds, in other words, is what I'm trying to say. They'll they'll work on Gpotter, they'll work on, on Amarok, they'll work on Antinopod on your mobile, and so on. Uh, one caveat, I guess, would be that the SSH access to your server, first of all, you might not have SSH access. Hopefully you do, but you may not. It depends on your web host. But either way, the SSH access uh, can get complex because a lot of times if you're doing like you know the virtual shared hosting thing then you have the um you, you may not you, your username may not be anything sensible and it might require a different ssh key and all this other stuff and and the the way to deal with that i would advise is in the .ssh config file so you may not have a .ssh config file. It is well worth implementing one. It's super cool. I did a Hacker Public Radio episode on it. You should listen to that. I will quickly, quickly relay that information to you here, however. If you go to your home directory, .ssh slash config, and if there isn't one, you can create one. It will be an empty file, but you can create it. And then you put in, for instance, host my podcast host name mypodcast.com user bob identity file um, your slash home slash clatu slash dot ssh slash mypodcast underscore rsa okay so the host is your slang term for your host so the host if you type in my podcast Maybe that's too many letters for you. So host, MP. So now if you ever do SSH MP, it's basically an alias for whatever host name is. And host name is mypodcast.com. Okay, so the user is the user that your host expects to see. So maybe they assigned you Bob as your host 
as your user. So you have to log in as Bob. Your name's Klaatu, but you have to log in as Bob. So anytime you say SSH MP, it already knows, SSH already knows, oh, you want to be Bob for this one, and the, the actual host name is mypodcast.com. Gotcha. And it does that for you. And then further, identity file. You can tell it which key to use. And that's great because that means that, yeah, sure, you might have a, a, an SSH key, but maybe it's password protected. And the whole point of this uh, PodWrite thing was for you to automate most of this. So you want this not be, to be password protected. So you just you, you use a special podcast key or whatever. You know, it's up to you. But all of that stuff can be defined in your .ssh config file. I use it all the time. It's fantastic. I use it a lot because... Um, different Git servers that I interact with expect different things, and it's just easier ultimately to define hosts as aliases for this whole this whole long clause of different uh, identity files, different usernames, different server name or different uh, host names, and and even sometimes different protocols or not not protocols but but different um, different methods of SSH authentication, DSS versus something else. I don't know. I, I don't really know why they do it, but it's stuff that I put into my SSH config file, and I don't have to think about it. So if you have a complex SSH, SSH setup that maybe you don't have full control over, you can set that in your .ssh config file, and that way PodWrite doesn't have to deal with it. And that's everything about PodWrite. I... Don't know if it's going to ever be of any use to you. Like I say, make ink is probably is probably useful no matter what your situation. Pod write itself probably not going to be very useful unless you have a podcast. But um, and even then, it would it would probably be more helpful if you had a podcast and also it didn't already have an existing system that's totally working for you. So. But it, but now you know it exists. You can talk to other people about it. You can tell people about it, or you can look at it and look at all the bad code and get ideas from the good code. There's a lot to look at. It's like 600 lines, I think, um, between the two files, and then there's that function file. So that's a, probably a, another 100 or 200 lines. Probably it feels like a million, but it's it's only I guess a thousand. But yeah, it's it, there's a lot of stuff in there. It's interesting, uh, and it works. It works really well, and and uh, now you know how I generate my podcast. Okay, I think that's everything. Um, thank you very much for listening. I'll talk to you next week. Order Ogcast. This has been Klaatu. You can reach me on IRC. I'm on the Freenode network usually in channels such as Ogcast Planet, Slacker Media, Slackware, a couple of others. My nick on IRC is not Klaatu. You can also reach me lately on Mastodon. My username there is at Klaatu at Mastodon.xyz. Of course, you can email me at klatu at member.fsf.org. That's klatu at member.fsf, as in free software foundation.org. 
And of course, you can visit my various websites, gnuworldorder.info and slackermedia.info. I will see you next time.